this illness that I have, it makes me second guess myself. Not that that's a bad thing, you know, typically my first thoughts are wrong and that's something that I've learned, but it's, it's easy to get stuck in the cycle of just being paralyzed and, and not knowing the right answer. So don't do anything, which is a disservice to everybody around me too. Is there anyone out there? From Darkness to Life contains the real stories of courageous individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Rick, Ryan, and Damien are here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey. Hello and welcome to another episode of From Darkness to Life, Our Collective Journey podcast here at the uh, Plugged In Media Network. And uh, today it's just me, Rick Armstrong, and Nathan Davis. What's going on, guys? <laughs> guys, <laughs> guys, it's just guy. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we've got, you know, a little bit of a unique situation here where we've got a couple other partners who can't be here. So, so it's just the two of us. Um, so we were kind of figuring out, you know, no guests, no agenda. What are we going to talk about? And, um, last couple of days I've been trying to work with somebody who's trying to deal with some issues that they're facing in life. And it was, um, you know, they've been caught up in the throes of addiction and, and mental health issues for years and and uh this woman's trying to come clean i guess um she's she's carried a lot of guilt and shame for things that she's done in her past and and uh that could have some effects on her um marriage and life and other people and uh and it kind of brought me back to a place that I've, I've been before and I can absolutely relate to that, the, f- the fear of the truth. And so that's kind of what brought us to the topic for the day is truth and fear, fear of the truth. And I think that has a whole bunch of uh, different angles we can go at it from, but it, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 it's a pr- it is a scary thing. You know, the fear of really taking a look at yourself, you know, self-reflection of the person you were, the, the harm and destruction, the wreckage you would cause through that, right? To, to take a, to take a look back and peek behind the curtain and be like, holy shit, I, I did all that. That is true. Um, it's a tough thing to do, to to be open and honest about it, right? But like you always say, there's there's freedom on the other side of, of doing that work and looking at that person, right? That person doesn't define who you are today or who, what the shit I did and the people I hurt and the wreckage I caused, do I, I, I can look back at it now and be like, holy shit, like, thank God my mom still loves me and my brothers didn't disown me. And a lot of other people are still in my life because they knew I was a good person. Right. So to do that, it wasn't easy, but today I can look at that person and be like, well, that's not who I am today. I'm not, I'm not a piece of shit. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough thing, right? It's, it's uh, the fear, fear of un- unknowns 
is is a big one. So I know in my experience, it took <clears throat> like that's not where the process started, right? I didn't even know. I it, it took a whole bunch of self awareness before I could even acknowledge what was untrue, right? Because I was I was a master manipulator and amazing at lying to the extent that I. I could lie to myself and believe it mm. like as, as crazy as that sounds, yeah, I know. Right. Absolutely. But you know, I was, I was entirely delusional and I could convince myself and justify to myself actions and, and things that I did. And, and, uh, it wasn't until, you know, I, I was willing or self-aware enough. I don't know which way to go about it. Um, to own it and to stop lying to myself. Right. That was, the beginning of it all was to just cut the bullshit and be honest with myself. And then comes the fear of everything else, you know, the house of cards collapsing, right? Of I, I, I had no idea the weight and the gravity of the lies and the dishonesty until it was gone. Like I didn't even know how, what an effect it was on me, what a burden it was. And in the end, I mean, I think it was very much a contributing factor to accelerated substance abuse because of that guilt and shame of the lies, right? That um, it just kind of perpetuated me to be stuck in this cycle because I'd, I'd feel so shitty about the shitty things I did <laughs> that I would numb the <laughs> shitty things. And then while being, you know, numb, yeah. Yeah, I would absolutely. do more shitty absolutely. things, right? No. And so, you know, you, it's, it's hard and scary to break that cycle, especially when you don't even know you're in it, yeah. which is the crazy part. Absolutely. Yeah. Being, looking, looking from the outside into people's lives that are going through it, right. With you working with the, the lady you're working with and, you know, people I have in my life going through this, right. And seeing them, seeing the fear of well, it's, it's because I'm gay. It's because my father was sick. It was because of this, right? And see him put all these things out there that, yeah, they, they do contribute to where you're at in your life right now, right? That they're just not, they're just not at that point, that willingness to, to give in and say, you know what? It's me. The, the, the end goal is for me to get healthy, I have to take a look at me. And all these other things, yes, are factors, absolutely, 100%. But when I was going through my shit, when I finally when I finally sat down and realized that, hey, man, it's not my dad's fault. You know, he didn't ruin my hockey career. You know, that was, that was me being a piece of shit, drinking and fighting, whatever else, you know, not taking an active part in, in my life, right? So... That was the hardest part for me was actually saying all these other outside factors are contributing absolutely right, and they have they had effects on me, but it was me internally had to and what changed or what made me look at at that and and say it was me, I have no idea right never will, but i just I just gave into it and said, "Fuck it, it's me, let's move forward right so yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about just surrendering, right? Yeah. Trying to, try, we try so hard to hold control 
of things that we're not necessarily in control of, right? Zero. And I, and I remember being so scared of like the truth coming out, right? And and even saying that, you know, makes me shake my head today because like which truth was I even trying to like keep from coming out? Like I had so many, <laughs> so many balls in the air of reality and what reality looked like and, and versions of events. And it was like fucking exhausting trying to keep track of it all. And, you know, in hindsight, there's no way it was sustainable, right? Like it was gonna, it was gonna come to a head and it did. And, and I remember that day, I vividly remember the day that, you know, the first truth, you know, it was like that Jenga game, right? It's like that one block and the whole thing started wobbling. And I was like, I knew it was coming down and just terrified. And I've, I guess I've been lucky enough to be a support for people in that, on that day. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I don't know how many times I've said it to people, but you know, I, I know it doesn't feel like it today and probably not tomorrow, <laughs> but you're going to eventually look back on this as the best day of your life. Yeah. Right. Sure. Cause it's. If you don't get to that tipping point, you're just going to stay stuck. So it takes getting, you know, whether you control the narrative on how that truth comes out or whether it's thrust upon you by a series of events, <laughs> it it's a necessary step in the healing process for everybody, I think. It's, uh, it's interesting that you see it's, it, it's going to happen one way or another, whether you choose to, to bring it out, if you're serious, right? Like, so since I did my first podcast, right, I've had people approach me looking, looking to, you know, get in the program, 12 step, whatever it is, change, change whatever path they're on. Right. And to see see the fear of people because of their professional job, the fear of, I don't want this person to know. But then I, I look at, I look at where they're at in their life or where I was at. I should use me for an example and go, if I, if I didn't take that step, I could have never have been a father, a husband. I could never have lived a, or live a life of happiness, right? But that's where I think a lot of people get stuck is I was, I don't know, for me, there's two type of addicts, right? There's the, you know, the high functioning addict where they can go days and years and everything's fine, but they're still an addict, right? They know they are. Or there's the low functioning where it's 24 seven, you got to hit the booze or hit the drugs. It's, it's running hard, right? So it's how, how that defers to both people is I'm a low functioning addict where I need to change now. So the fear was that much greater potentially, or a high functioning addict like Damien who he go years and years and be super successful yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think that transition can happen real quick though. 
Yeah. Oh, for sure. From like for sure the functioning addict to the not functioning addict. Yeah, absolutely. I think that can be, you know, the snap of a finger, and you could just shift from one to the other. Um. So much of it, I think, comes back back around to your own awareness and, and just trying to, it's so fucking easy to keep lying to yourself, you know? And, and even if you know, it's, I knew it was destructive. I knew it was go like, I knew it was going to come out. I knew it was beyond my control. I knew, I knew all of these things and just the immense fear of the unknown, I guess. And it comes back to that, mm-hmm. you know, what's where, whether it's good or not, what's familiar is comfortable. And, and the fear of the unknown of what's my life look like when this, cause like for me, I, I, my whole life was based on bullshit. Like I was being somebody else to somebody else for as long as I can remember. And, uh, I guess part of that was like, well, what that character I'd played had become such a piece of my identity. Yep. Absolutely. That I didn't know what I was without it. Right. I'm like, I remember, I remember being scared of who am I, if I'm not this guy and I like to think I'm not a bad guy (laughs) now. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I know I'm a a hell of a lot more. I've got a hell of a lot more self-esteem than I did back then. Anyway, whatever, whatever that accounts for. Um, but the fear of the fear of that house of cards, it took me, it took me to suicide because I knew it was coming down and I didn't want to be around to see the damage. that's, I guess, about as fearful as you can get. Oh, for sure. No, that's, uh, that's reality at its finest, right? When, when everybody finds out all the dirty little secrets and it's a tough pill to swallow. Well, and the, and the craziest part is, you know, I, maybe I'm giving myself way too much credit, right? (laughs) Like I thought I was a master manipulator and a really good liar. Yeah. But the reality is, you know, there wasn't too many people shocked when I was no. like, here's the deal. I've no. got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I was the last guy at the party yeah. to find out. Yeah. Right. And it's, um, yeah, maybe I'm giving myself way too much credit and I wasn't that good at lying. Well, you, we're in the moment you, in the moment you think you're, you're covering it all up. Everything looks perfect right you're like fuck i just did this looking good for the wife here doing this over here everything looks great right and but looking in from the outside i can see in people and currently going through addiction right now in in my family looking in their lives they they can try and blow smoke up my ass all day that oh yeah it's all good i'm going to rehab and claire's home for two months blah 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 I can see through the bullshit that you're telling me 
every day, right? And, you know, oh, I'll call you and we'll go to meetings and we'll go to this, right? He, he thinks he's doing everything proper that we're all going to stay in his life and all life is going to be good if he feeds us this bullshit, right? But at the end of the day, it's, uh, he's the, he's one lying to himself thinking that we're all buying this shit, right? So I think that's uh, a defense mechanism maybe to, you know what it all kind of, you know, I look back in that whole period of my life and you, what it, if you, the easiest way to summarize that is that one scene in the Wolf of Wall Street Okay. <laughs> when Leonardo DiCaprio is all fucked up on Quaaludes <laughs> and he's getting out of, I don't know what it is, a white Ferrari or Lamborghini or oh, something, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his like recollection <laughs> of events. And then the scene cuts to like what actually happened, right? And he's like dragging his bottom lip across the asphalt as he's trying to move his body. But like his recollection of it is like he rolled out of that car like a yeah, champion. Absolutely. Right? I'm like maybe that's a little more realistic to what my life looked like than the recollection I have of it, but, but the emotional toll of that, I think is what kept me sick, right? Mm -hmm. What kept me out there is the fear of, it's this weird double-edged sword and Ryan, you know, it's a shame Ryan can't be here today because he's considerably more educated and well-spoken. Um, but he talks about like the cycle of addiction and, and, uh, he's got some really good visuals for it. And that's, that's what it is, right? It's, we get consumed by the guilt and shame of our actions of past. And then it, that becomes unbearable and we have to take care of it. And the only way that we can take care of it is through using again. And, and we just get stuck in this cycle. For sure. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've said recently and it's taken a lot to get to this point, but I think, you know, potentially drugs and alcohol have ex extended my life for the time that they worked. Cause I know when I, when I just took the drugs and alcohol away and I was still left with the guilt and the shame and the feelings and didn't deal with those, I got really suicidal really quickly. And so thankfully, you know, maybe, maybe thankfully everything happened in the sequence that it did, that when I, when I did stop the sequence of events that led to that point put me in a place to meet some people like give me some help to get through it. Cause I think had I tried to remove the drugs and alcohol prior to that before, before whatever the universe had aligned to put some people in my path, I think that could have ended disastrously. It's timing, man. Yeah. It, 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 it's truly amazing. There's, and I've said it before many times, right? There's there's a small window in your life for, for me where if I don't walk through that window or that door and take that opportunity at that time, it's gone. I, I missed it and it's gone forever. Now, that was my recovery, right? There was, there was moments, many moments prior to that I could have gotten help or figured it out. But it wasn't the right time. And that's where, like you said, you might not be here if you, if you would have taken drugs and alcohol out of your life prior to, right? And mine's a little different. I was, 
I just had hated the person I'd become so much, right? Like the, the true hate I had for Nathan, you know, version one, I guess we can call it, right? You know, version one, Nathan was everything my moral compass knew was wrong with a person in life, right? And, and then the guilt, the shame, everything adds up. And you're right, it is a cycle how we chase our tail because we have to get rid of the guilt and shame from everything we've done, right? And that everything had just gotten so heavy, you know, then I got diabetes, you know, cancer right after that. Right. So there's, there's my window of time of, if I didn't get, you know, a year sober and clean in, in between my diabetes and cancer, then things would have looked a lot different. I'm, I'm sure in my life too. Right. So yeah, it's timing. I can completely relate to that self hate. I, I don't know that I've ever despised anybody as much as I've despised myself at yeah, times yeah. ever. And I mean, I've for a long time, I was pretty good at holding a grudge and not liking people and judging other people. And, and, you know, I would have thrown around the word hate a lot back then, but nothing compared to the no. disdain I had for myself. Right. And maybe that's a piece of it too, right? Is, um, Learning, I've t it's come around a lot, right? Self-forgiveness and being able to not hate myself. And and to get there, you got to step into the fear of the truth. Mm -hmm. And who knows where that fucking goes? Like, I think that's part of it, right? Is Is I tried to control everything so much. That I knew is as soon as that came out, I was, I'd lost control of the narrative yeah. or at least the perception that I had control of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was kind of like, it's just out there now. And, and I'm going to have to deal with the ramifications, whatever they might be. And I don't get to control any part of that. And that's scary for <laughs> That's fucking not, not being able to control the narrative of all the shitty things that we've done. And now, now everybody else gets to decide my future with them or if I'm involved in it. Right. And that's part of the process so, of healing, right. And, and getting healthy is, is making those amends to people that you have heard along the way. Right. It's, uh, it's about uh, progress, not perfection, right? We're we're humans. We fuck up. <laughs> you know, some some fuck ups are a lot bigger than than others, right? But you just got to own it, and that's that was the getting into recovery, the beginning, right? And when I first got in the rooms, I there was a lot of hurt and pain inside of me, right? And you know, you go to the rooms, and there's some good meetings and some bad meetings, right? And you'll you'll find that out right away where you want to kind of land on on the 12 step program right and there's a lot of hurt and you can you can stay in that pain and that shit in some meetings right or you can go to some some 12 step programs right where it's like okay it's time to do the fucking work get through these steps 
and start the healing process, right? And that's what it's about is you, you get in there if you're willing to do this, right? And and move forward with your recovery, right? And you can do it and live quite happily and get through this fear and this bullshit real quick and get healthy. So, but you got to be willing to, willing to deal with some of the past shit, right? So... Well, that's just it. I mean, it's, it's a really shitty sales pitch, right? <laughs> <laughs> for sure. It's like, Hey, here's, here's, here's what we're going to do. How's yeah. this sound for yeah. the next week? It's going to fuck. It's going to suck really <laughs> bad for you yeah. <laughs> for the next week. Right. We're going to expose every lie yeah. you've ever told. Yeah. And we're going to take away, you know, all of the most, all of the things that have caused you the most guilt and shame. Yeah. We're going to bring into the light and we're going to talk about it. <laughs> And but you're going to face it. Like, that's a fucking hard sales pitch, But it's right? like a cleanse, though, right? You, you get to stand in front of the, the worst things that you've done and talk to another person, to, you know, your sponsor or a man of God or a woman of God or whoever it may be, right? And you get to cleanse some of the shit onto them. And yeah, you'll, you'll get some feedback, obviously, right? But it's... It is a tough sales pitch, absolutely, right? <laughs> but there is there is freedom and and life and happiness and on the other side of, of all this stuff, right? And it doesn't have to you don't have to do this over twelve months and, and prolong all this pain and the shittiness that, you know, potentially can come through it, right? You can just get to work, get her done, find find some good people, find a good program and support group and um, Almost every one of my experiences being involved in this part of a, the program, it's like it's it's like pulling teeth to get the first that first truth out. Mm-hmm. But like once it starts, fuck, does it flow right? It's like you know what, if we're doing this, <laughs> let's do it right. Like I'm in this shit now. We That's might right. as well get it Absolutely. all out yeah. and and. uh you know, I, I was guilty of, I was guilty of that. When, when my house of cards came down, I managed to keep half of it standing. Yeah. And, and it, <laughs> like somehow, right. I don't know how I had any credibility at that point, but I, I managed to keep like half of that house of cards standing. And I did it from a different point of view. I, I wasn't trying to not get myself in shit. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't lying so I could keep acting in the manner that I did or like, I wasn't trying to protect myself. I was just at a point that I acknowledged how much pain I've caused in the world. And if the whole house of cards came down, I was potentially, I was unleashing a whole bunch more pain for other people. So fair enough. Yeah. And it was like, you know, I don't want to hurt anymore. I don't like, I don't mean me. I mean, I don't want to hurt externally. I don't want to hurt other people any more than I've already hurt. And so I held on to some of that thinking it was selfless, not selfish to try to keep those lies intact. And I was successful at that for about a year and a half. And then, and then it blew up. 
and it was like <laughs> it really got bad. Yeah, <laughs> and then it got really bad. And what was what was the worst part about that is you know people seen improvement in my character in recovery, right? So I was a year and a half in recovery, still holding this this one really close hand that I didn't want, you know, these cards out. Right. And, uh, and I remember somebody really close to me saying, you know, it was one thing when, when drunk addict still actively out there, Rick was lying, but now the sober, better version of you still lying. And that was like fucking devastating. Cause it brought back, it brought around a whole bunch of emotions and thoughts in me that like, I am still a piece of shit. I am still afraid. And it was so easy to fall back into that mindset, mindset, yeah, right? Sure. Yeah. Even though I'd through the process through that year and a half convinced myself that I was doing the right thing for the right reasons. I was still just trying to control shit, manipulate it and, and use it. I was still trying to control yeah. shit. Right. I guess that's where, you know, I, I guess I'm still obviously still processing some of this and, uh, yeah, I think trying to control it. And it wasn't until you just like fully surrender and realize I'm not in control of shit. The only thing that I'm in control of today and I, and I, and I do try to like take this lesson moving forward and all the time. The only thing that I'm really in control of is my response to shit. I don't get to control anything beyond that, really. And as soon as I start to, I, I, my ego gets involved and I start trying to put pawns in the right place and, and that gets, that's not good for me. And so I need to keep checking myself that way. And that's where <clears throat> control surrender sorry in defeat right a lot of a lot of times i i'm a win lose guy always have been right cancer so either either i'm gonna win or lose right as i'm getting older and thinking about win losses and and how it plays out we'll talk about that later right but it's i'm built on either you're gonna win or you're gonna lose that's how it works right and and surrender to me at the beginning was like defeat like I've been, I've been broken down. I've been beat down and I've lost, I've lost it. Whatever this is, I'm losing. Right. So to keep that control and that manipulation and uh, the greed, you know, and the ego rate right? to keep that alive, that was to keep the winning going. Right. The, the feeling of, I was still in control. Right. So today I don't look at, is it uh, a defeat surrender and defeat, right? It's just, I'm giving in to, I don't control any of this shit today, right? I get up, I have a good attitude, go to work, be nice to my kids, kiss my wife on the lips, you know, go to work. And all I can control is that, you know, life's going to come daily at you, right? So yeah, that was a big one trying to, the defeat, right? Surrender. I was like, surrender. Like, well, I think it was a weakness. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like oh, absolutely. previously, you know, yeah. Surrender was a weakness. Yeah. I'm giving in to something. Something un unwillingly, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm like, giving in to something more this. powerful than myself. <laughs> well, it turns out the whole fucking universe is more powerful than myself. 
And that was a hard lesson to get around. Yeah. Because I think we're just so programmed not to, you know, don't ever give up. Nope. Right. And it was like, it goes against everything that I had ingrained in me that the only way I was going to get ahead was to give up. Not give up on myself, but give up control. Control. Yep. Right. And, and realize that, you know, and I say I'm not in control of anything, but my response. No, you know, that's partly true. Right. I mean, I can definitely influence the events that happen primarily just based on my attitude. Yeah. Right. For sure. Actions I take have consequences and not to say that like, you can just sit back and be like, well, fuck it. You know, I'm just going to sit here and, <laughs> and life will happen. Right. It's like, no, I still got a mortgage. I still got yeah. bills to pay. You know, I, 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 action still needs to happen. Um, but trying to control outcomes is, it's a tricky balance, I guess, right. Of taking healthy action versus trying to maintain control. But now I guess with this, you know, new Rick 2.0, <laughs> I, um, I very much try to be conscious of the feelings I have. And like, I, I know when I'm sitting at the crossroads of one of those ethical or moral, I, I get a knot in my stomach, that conscious thing that I'd, I guess that's what I use the whiskey and drugs to quiet, right? Was my conscious at, at, at conscience at part at times. Cause now like that thing gets really loud and I'm like, Oh, I don't feel good. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> to the point that I've like, I've been in situations where like, I, I think I might puke and it's like, Oh no, that's my body's way of saying you're making a shitty choice, dude. <laughs> and it's like instinctually now I know I can, I can listen to that and, and you know, again, progress, not perfection. I still make the wrong choice hmm. half the time probably, but at least I'm trying to pay attention, which is better than what it used to be. Progress is, it beats the hell out of trying to control bullshit. Yeah. I remember um, <clears throat> my biggest fear so my dad, growing up, he was an alcoholic, right? And he had some rough shit go on uh, throughout his life, right? And, and growing up, um, my biggest fear was to turn out like my dad. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, right? I was like, man, like, I always thought he was a piece of shit for what he had done and how he brought us up. And, you know, and then one day I kind of fucking... When I was in the depths of my alcoholism and, and drug addiction, right, and kind of looked at myself in the mirror, I'm like, fuck, I'm, I'm exactly like that man was, right? Growing up, his same story, good athlete, pissed it all the way with booze and drugs and, you know, and I'm like, man, this this is how my life is playing out, right? So that that was another like sign in my life, right? Just to say, fuck man, do you want to turn out like that guy that you despise of? Or is this time for you to turn a corner 
and make some better choices, right? And it probably wasn't time, <laughs> but, but you know, at least I was aware, I, you know, I'd had all, a lot of conversations like that, right. Of, of the fear of where my life was headed, right. And where I didn't want it to go, but that's exactly where I was fucking steering the ship, right. Was directly not, not to where my good, wholesome mom taught us to be good people. Right. It was like, I was going this way. So. Yeah, fear, fear is uh, disabling at times too. Crippling. Crippling, yeah. right? Like you just, especially when I first, I guess I don't, it's been 16 years, so it's been a while since I've been, been in that state of mind coming off of drugs and trying to figure life out, right? So I guess... I've lost the, a little bit of the idea of what it was like to get into the program and start getting sober and figuring it out, right? But I can tell you, emotionally, I still feel the fear of that day one of like, it's time to do something in my life, right? When I did the first podcast, right? Like it's that fear of taking action and doing something with your, what you've been given, whatever this is, right? But to take action upon it, right? It's that fear is still very relevant and very real and, and raw. So it's, uh, I don't know if that goes away. If fear ever goes away, if you're did to, I, I think you said it in a meeting, right? It's, uh, I thought my life previously, I was, I was fearless that was reckless everything I did up until now. Right. So this fear thing is, it's not new, but the concept of moving through it and, and understanding it and being comfortable within fear is it's new and relative. So something that my sponsor, I don't know if it's something that he, my sponsor coined this or if he picked it up, you know, um, he used a line one time that stopped me in my tracks and he said, you know, I used to get just paralyzed in thought. And I'm like, man, I've never heard it put that way, but like, especially more so now in sobriety, I can get stuck being scared of making the wrong choice. And as a result, like literally not know it's, you know, it's like a car is coming straight at me and I'm standing in front of the road and I know he's either going to veer left or right. And I'm, I've got to dive either left or right. And like, I end up just fucking standing there cause I don't know where to go. Right. I get that way just in a conversation in my head. I don't know. Like I'll just almost panic and freeze and get paralyzed in thought going like, you know, maybe if I, I'll have this opportunity and if I, and I, I, I overthink it and I lose the opportunity. Cause I'm was too scared to make any decision one way or the other, because it's, you know, this, this illness that I have, it makes me second guess myself. Not that that's a bad thing. You know, typically my first thoughts are wrong and that's something that I've learned, but yep. it's, it's easy to get stuck in the cycle of just being paralyzed and, and, and thought yeah. and not knowing the right answer. So don't do anything, which is a disservice 
to everybody around me too. So sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's just that, right? Stepping into the fear, stepping into the unknown going, you know what? Fuck, I don't know if this is the right choice, but it's, it's a choice. And I have weighed the pros and cons to some extent. And, and I'm going to, and I'm going to move forward. But also having the humility to go, nope, that was the wrong fucking choice. And, you know, I think the 2020 word of the year is pivot, right? And like, I'm going in this direction, having the humility to pull a pin when you should and be like, nope, I'm going the wrong way. I need to, I need to go a different way. And that's a daily occurrence for me in, in both my personal and professional life is, is. Oh, for sure. Especially now coming, coming back into, you know, not getting into politics, but back into the lockdowns. This is, this is where we were last year. Exact same shit. This is where I started my, you know, bit of a downward spiral for my mental health on, not the lockdown. I'm just going to watch Netflix and video games and do sweet FA with my life for, for however long the government tells me to stay at home. You know, that's what I'm going to do. Right. So it's, everything's kind of circling back. So I got to be mindful enough in my life right now to be like, Hey, even though, you know, we're in three weeks lockdown, kids are at school or, or at home doing online learning. Nathan still has to be active, you know, to keep his mental health, you know, going strong and, and be safe right there. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, I got to learn from last year, right? There's a lot of, a lot of things from last year that you just have to learn and understand that. Yeah. Okay. That was a, you know, that's probably a bad mistake doing, doing what you did last year, sitting at home, watching vids, you know, playing whatever, not doing what you need to do to stay healthy mentally that you've done for X amount of years. Right. So yeah, it's a, it's a weird time that we're going, going back into the summer looking a lot like last year, really. So fuck, I want summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 But again, it's that control thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I'm not in control of all aspects and that needs to be okay. Cause I will, again, to, you know, to dodge politics, right or wrong, wherever you are on that spectrum, it is what it is. And you have every right to believe whatever you're, whatever you believe. I mean, I'm not here to influence anybody's position one way or another, but if I think I'm going to change the government, that's a fucking battle. Like the emotional weight of that fight, you know, and not to say that it, I don't know. It's, it's, it's such a fucking big thing that it's like, you know what? I, I'm not, I need to worry about me and what's, what do, again, what do I have control of is my response, my, my reaction to this. And whether that's, you know, I'm going to go protest, whatever this is, if it's done in a healthy and respectful manner, sure. Fill your boots. Or if it's, you know what, I'm going to honor these, these orders and these restrictions and, and do my part. And I use air quotes for that. You know, it, it is what it is, but it's, um, it's really draining to get stuck in this cycle 
whichever side of the spectrum you're on. Yeah. Like, fuck, I've seen people bounce from one side of that yeah. fence to the other and back again. And, sure. and, uh, it's, it's a lot to unpack. Right. And, uh, at the end of the day, like, just be a good person. I mean, like I, I try to remove myself from the equation and, and, you know, for, I think everybody knows kind of what I do for a living. I'm, I've got 200 and some seniors that their life, you know, my, my decisions daily have, has an impact on their quality of life. And, and I've got three little boys at home that, you know, my decisions on a daily basis have an impact on their life. And, and, uh, to try to make decisions that are good for everybody at times, putting my political beliefs aside yeah. and going, you know, this is, it's not about me. It's a heavy, shitty world out there some days. That's right. It's a lot heavier and shittier when you're on drugs and alcohol too, though. Honestly, though, right? I just did. I mean, you know, I, I think it was Ryan. I was talking to him about it and I was like, man, can you imagine the year that we've had in the shape we used to be in? No. Couldn't do it. Fuck me. I would not have made it through that. No. I'd hunker down in the basement and yeah. it wouldn't have ended pretty. And I mean, I think we see that, right? With some of the statistics that we see with, um, with both suicide and overdose rates, right? It's, it's hit hard in the last year. And, and I've, I've felt like I'm kind of in a unique position because I get to see two ends of the spectrum here, right? Two ends of the, vulnerable populations, I guess is the words I'm looking for, right? With like the seniors who are the most of, you know, if, if that virus gets into my building that I'm responsible for, that's going to cause a lot of pain. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I jump back and forth on this fence, right? I'm like, no, nope, lock the shit down. I need yeah. to protect these people. Cause I know, I know I've seen what this virus can do. I mean, we've all seen what it does when it gets into a home, right? It just cuts through it. And uh, so I'm like, no, nope, we got to go completely down, you know, lock the whole thing down. And then I go to a meeting and there's two less guys that were there six months ago because they're gone because they couldn't cope with it. And I'm like, no, nope, fuck, we're killing people by locking people down. Right? <laughs> and so it's like, it's, it's such a, it's such a complex thing that, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I just... fucking be kind <laughs> yeah, for sure and it, it is it there's there's two you, you do see both sides of the spectrums of the vulnerable spectrum right where it's yeah we we got to keep people safe and healthy from this virus absolutely 100 percent, right but on the other end right we do see people that are dying from the the cure to keep us safe from the virus, right? You know, yeah, the isolation that comes the, with that. The isolation that comes with it, right? And it's, uh, I think we just all got to ratchet down the tone on, you know, whether it's lockdowns or open up, right? We, we just got to, they're both for good reasons, right? They're, but we're, we're trying to save both people on both ends of the spectrum here, right? And what the right thing is, I, 
I'm glad I'm not a politician. No right shit, now. right? Like, <laughs> to, to be honest, right? It's you, you're you can't. You're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. Right? It doesn't matter who you are right now. So. Yeah, we just got to be start being a lot kinder and a little more empathetic with with everyone, and hopefully this year we can uh, change change a bit of stuff here. If we we are in lockdown season and summer's here, and you know people people need to get out to meetings or talk or do something. They well, and that's the one benefit I think that we've seen, you know, through the year is this massive spotlight, you know, including OCJ and us, right? Yeah. Like, you know, there's, there's way more people talking about real shit, right? Mental health and, and talking and, and getting, reaching out, asking for support, saying, you know, being okay with struggling. Like, I think we've, as a society, or at least our community has grown tenfold in a year out of necessity. Right. And if there's one, if there's one benefit, I guess, to this COVID thing, it's, it's, it's maybe that right. Is, is there's a lot of conversations happening about mental health addiction that there wasn't this time a year ago. For sure. Right. And there's a lot of agencies that have, gotten increased funding there's a lot of organizations that have formed there's um you know and not to say that any one of them is the one-stop shop for everything but you know i think that's we at ocj we've been promoting that since day one right is we're, we're not the be all and end all we're not a one-stop solution for everybody but we'll certainly help you get where you're going and uh just having conversations, really tough conversations that, and taking away the guilt and shame. And I guess step, you know, to bring it back around to our topic, I guess, yeah. right. Stepping into the fear of, of being vulnerable enough and, and stepping in and going, you know what? I'm not always good and that's okay. Cause I think conversation I had today with somebody, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, why is everybody else have it together? And I'm such a fucking mess. <laughs> And I had to go listen. Like, you know what? You want to know a little secret? Everybody's fucked. <laughs> All the shit you see on social media yeah, of like yeah, the perfect lives yeah, and, no. you know, going home to a perfect dinner and kids are happy no. and everything. I'm like, it's all bullshit. It is, yeah. Anybody who is, you know, and, and not to say that there isn't varying degrees of chaos in people's lives, but ain't nobody rocking a perfect ship. Right. No. And if that's all they're willing, you know, I feel sorry for those people that if, if they're so hung up on their public image and persona yeah. that they're, they're not being their authentic selves no. and not living an authentic life. I'm like, man, that was just, yeah. Yeah. We're all, we're all suffering to oh, some it, degree. It, we, right? Everybody, right? It's yeah. It's it's not it's not all shitty all the time. But I tell you what, it's uh, being sober and clean, and it's a hell of a lot better than it was when I was still in active addiction, right? So it's yeah. It's people. I was in a meeting uh, in the program, and <clears throat> this guy was uh, he was homeless previously. 
for a lot of years and uh, he was talking about like he's never had to pay a cell phone bill or a you know a rent bill <laughs> right i'm like fuck either either have i, I i'm 38 years old i went from living at my mom's house to getting married <laughs> right i'm like i don't know and it's not that bad right so it's like you know but his perception is like because he lived on the streets for so many years he'd never had to do this shit I'm like in my head i'm like either have i man i just went from my mom to getting married so it's it's all perception right and that, that's what people have to quit to quit fucking worrying about the perception of what their life looks like yeah there is yeah there's some people i look at and like yeah man i want what they have or you know i like what they have in going on in their life whether it be uh, through hockey you know some guys coaches right i'm like yeah i like that guy's style i like how he does that but it's like I think as we mature through sobriety, though, yeah. that shifts from material things to immaterial things, Absolutely. right? Like, oh, for sure. You know, I not to say that I'm envious of people, but I'm like, man, I'm like, I want that guy's peace and serenity. You know, for sure. it's not like I want that guy's house like, and car anymore. It, it, yeah. It's like, man, that guy doesn't get shook. Like Theron, Theron Flurry, when he, um, <clears throat> when he was talking about going to the prisons and there was that uh, one gentleman that actually shared a room with Graham James. Right. And I'm like, Oh, like that guy was going to beat the living hell out of him. Good for him. Right. Like good job. And Theron's like, no, you're my hero for not kicking the shit out of him. Yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like the Theron flurry I know from the hockey, right. He would have, he would have beat the shit out of him. Right. And then, just the peace and serenity at that moment. I was like, how do I find the peace and serenity? Right? Like that's, it, it's the mind shift. It's not the materialistic bullshit, right? Like it's, that's beyond, yeah, there's still things, right? But to find peace and serenity, like there in flurry after, you know, the shit that happened to him is, that's the shit I strive for, right? You know, stuff like that. So, but First thing is to get get over it and step into your fear, right? Your and that's the thing, right? Now that we're going into this new lockdown season, and and uh, you know, it, feel, it feels very similar to last year, right? And last year we had a we had a really tough time in the hat, right? And that's somebody is struggling out there, you know. Don't. Don't just write a note, pick up the phone, call OCJ, call any of the groups involved in Medicine Hat and they'll, they'll get you to the right direction, right? To get you the help, get you to the, the people that you need to talk to, right? And just, it, it just feels very similar to last year, right? And I just want to, want everybody out there to be safe, know they're loved, you know, shit, life is going to bring shit our way every day, but we're here to, we're here to help support you in any way, fashion. So. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good closing message for this episode. I remember, I guess the, the one thought that I'll leave you with that I, I practice this. 
on a semi-regular basis, not nearly as often as I used to, but I can look back in my life and count numerous situations I was in that I thought to myself, I'm never going to make it through this. I'm not going to, like, there was times that I, I literally didn't think I would survive. And there was times that I didn't lean, didn't know emotionally how I would cope with situations. And I can look back through my life and, and there's, there's a ton of times that I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to get through this. But I did. And I'm here. And I'm better because of it. And not to say it didn't fucking suck in the moment. It gave me tools. It gave me, if, if nothing else, I can get through some pretty heavy shit. Because I've proved it time and time again. And I mean, that was before I had a, a tenth of the tools I have today. Mm-hmm. If you're struggling, if you're suffering reach out step into the fear it's fucking terrifying but it's worth it the only the only thing on the other side of that is the freedom from it so with that I think we can wrap her up you got any closing wisdom nothing just (laughs) just step through that fear it's uh it's a beautiful process on the other side what we call freedom so you're not alone we love you till next time till next time from darkness to life is an our collective journey podcast these are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges if these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn rick ryan and damien are here for you Contact Our Collective Journey on Facebook at Our Collective Journey or on the web at ourcollectivejourney.ca. Hosted by Poncho Parker. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a Plugged In Media Network exclusive. Check out this and our other great podcasts at pymedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.